G'day. Talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centred and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged and progressing. Well, welcome to today's episode of Talking About Pedagogy. Today, I'm going to be introducing to you one of our junior school assistant principals at Holy Cross, Lindley Waters. Lindley, welcome to Talking About Pedagogy. I'm it's so great excited. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great, and I can see the excitement on your face. Um, look, Lindley is a, an absolute star of the education world. Um, Lindley started out many years ago, many many years ago, um, with a degree in health promotion, a science degree, and then saw the light towards education. Um, took on her, her teaching degree. Um, she went out into the country and she taught in Kalgoorlie and then wanted to come back to Perth. She taught at a range of schools, including she taught at the only IB school in Catholic education in West Australia, um, which is a great experience for um, Lindley. And now she's been at Holy Cross for three years and um, has made a significant contribution to our community here um, and she has a real passion for really everything we do at Holy Cross um, but a big passion around inquiry and as well as humanities and um, that is a learning area and everything that goes on but most importantly for today's podcast a passion for co-teaching. Yes. And uh, so today we're going to be exploring in our podcast around the idea of co-teaching or what some might refer to as team teaching. Um, We like to use the phrase co-teaching because it's a higher level um, approach to um, what goes on. And so today we're going to unpack that in today's podcast. Um, But I'm even more excited about today's episode because, Lindley, you are the first person on our new equipment here in our recording studio at Holy Cross. How do you feel using the new equipment? I feel very fancy. I feel so professional. And um, I know we've been joking about doing a um, breakfast radio show at the school, (laughs) but um, I think I'm going to end up taking that to reality. That's right. Lindley Waters driving you home. Thank you very much. Well, that's not breakfast radio driving (laughs) you home. It's driving you to work. I can be announcing the students as they arrive. (laughs) Uh, that'd be great. Um, we're using now a Roadcaster Pro podcasting kit in our recording studio. So you'll notice hopefully the quality is a little bit better. For our listeners that have listened to every episode so far, um, I have full disclosure, I've had a, a full uh, microphone set up for each of our episodes up to this point in time. Um, but turns out every single time I've used that microphone, it actually hasn't been connected. Um, so I'm definitely not going to be leading an episode on tech savviness because uh, there's the perfect example of the fact that I'm not tech savvy. And uh, so today I'm excited because we're actually legitimately using a proper microphone. So um, we're winning across the board. Yay. And it's also been a number of weeks since an episode because term one artists hit me pretty hard like everyone else. So um, to all the teachers out there, we're almost at holidays. So... Yes, counting down. So anyway, that was a long preamble. 
Co-teaching. Um, Lindley, you have had an experience in co-teaching in, in the junior school. I've had an experience of teaching it in the senior school. I suppose we should preface today's um, podcast with the fact that at Holy Cross, we are purpose-built for co-teaching. So um, in the junior school, our classrooms are open classrooms. Um, in, in many of our rooms, there's not even a dividing door separating. Let's say if you've got two year five classes, there's no door separating class C and class H. Um, they're all one room together and we run a fully integrated co-teaching model. Um, In our our middle and senior school classes, there are in most cases a a dividing door between the rooms. We try and timetable all of our core subjects together um, so that we can have that ability to open the doors and leverage, Mm -hmm. more importantly, because co-teaching is not about opening the doors, co-teaching is about how do we leverage our teachers for the betterment of our students. Um, Can you tell us a bit about what co-teaching is? What's your experience been um, with co-teaching? Yeah, sure. Um, So co-teaching and like um, Ryan said, often called team teaching, um, but I do think there's been some uh, overlap recently in terms of team teaching also being um, used to refer to to teachers that are part-time in the classroom. So I think co-teaching is a better uh, phrase to describe what we're doing, Um, but it's really defined as two or more people working together with students Um, And they're sharing the planning, the delivery, the organisation, the assessment of instruction, as well as sharing the physical space. Um, So for us at Holy Cross, that means we've got teachers, education assistants, members from the learning enrichment team, all working together for the teaching and learning of the students in one big space that we're all sharing together. So, So how does that look? Because, you know, realistically, I love my 30 kids. I don't want to share them. I love my approach. I think I've got the best pedagogy going around. So why would I want to include another person and have to adapt to them so that we can find some sort of approach that works as a compromise? Yeah, that's a good question because I think naturally teachers are bossy and like to be in control. (laughs) So when you've got your four walls and your one room and your 30 kids, um, then naturally we like having that control. But once you have someone else in the classroom, actually what it brings is a new level of collaboration. It brings a um, new level of learning, not only for the um, students, but for the um, teachers as well, because you're you're actually constantly in this kind of learning space because you're working so close with someone else. So you have to take on their ideas and compromise and brainstorm together and work through all those problems that normally when you're by yourself, you just go, oh yeah, I'm going to do it this way. So look, one of the things that often we talk about is like probably the most critical element of effective pedagogy is the idea of building relationships with students. If you don't have good relationships, it doesn't matter how good your practice is, your instructional range and all of that, you're probably not going to be as impactful as you could. How do you then go about building relationship with, in this case, maybe 62 students if you've got two junior school classes together? Yeah, that can be tricky. And especially at the start of the year when, you know, you've you've got them all new, bright-eyed, bushy-tail and you're um, trying to get to know all their names and things. But I think it lends itself really well because you're constantly interacting with all the students um, because we're not sitting at a teacher desk or standing in one place and you're um, having the teachers mix with all the students, there is that um, benefit of being able to 
talk to all the students in a range of different contexts and build that relationship. And also, you know, there are times when some students don't really gel with one teacher. And in this environment, they've actually got the opportunity then to build a stronger relationship with the other co-teacher if necessary. That's great. Now, look, at Holy Cross, we follow this six models of um, co-teaching that we can utilise um, as really effective ways and depends on what the lesson is, what the students are like. Some classes need different models to others. Yep. depends on the needs of, um, you know, whether you've got students with disabilities that need extra support or top-end kids that need that real extension. Um, maybe we can talk through each of those six models and uh, help, I suppose, our, our listeners to understand a bit about um, ways in which we could reinforce this co-teaching model because you could certainly find one that's your niche, but you could mm. also find um, that there are many different ways that you haven't thought of um, in this. So maybe we can start with the first one, uh, Lindley, which is uh, one teach, one observe. Yeah. So this looks like uh, one teacher at the front or, you know, in, in front of all the students um, delivering a lesson um, and the other teacher is there to gather data related to student participation um, or learning. So this would be utilised if you have a student, say, that um, is constantly disrupting lessons and perhaps you think, okay, I want to know what's going on there. If it was just you, one person in the classroom, trying to keep track of, okay, how many times are they calling out in one lesson? That's really difficult. But you can have one main teacher delivering the content and the other teacher there with the, um, you know, with your survey or scaffold or notes, however you want to take that data, recording down, okay, they're, they're calling out, you know, five times within 10 minutes or they're standing up or I can see them starting to fidget when after this amount of time with the teacher talking, that sort of thing. So the other teacher isn't sitting there doing nothing. The second teacher's there specifically to observe and gather that data that you can then use later on to improve the um, teaching and learning for that child. That's that's really cool. Um, and, you know, it really helps that, that data gathering mm-hmm. process, which then helps us to think about what our next step's going to be. Yeah. One of the models that we use probably the most in the morning here at Holy Cross is station teaching. What, what does that look like? So station teaching um, is really common in, in most primary schools anyway. Teachers um, have students in groups, you know, maybe you might have three, four, five groups in your classroom. And then each teacher is providing instruction at one station um, with a teacher-focused group while the other students at the other, you know, two, three, four stations are completing independent work. And the students rotate from group to group. So this is really your classic guided reading um, model. You know, one teacher with that group with doing their guided reading, focusing on something, the other groups with their own books, reading and completing their independent activities. Um, you also see this a lot in maths in the morning. You, know, you have your shared math session together, but then you're going to split off into your differentiated groups and the teachers are going to work with those small groups of students and the students will rotate through. And we've added an element in a lot of our classes this year in terms of station teaching where there's an online station as well that we learned from COVID where you don't need just a teacher to be there where one can be a facilitated rotation online. Yes, yeah, and um, using some of that flipped classroom um, work as well. So the teachers have, you know, created a video or are using a video for the instructional bit online and then the students are working independently there too. Oh, that gets me so excited. I love it. It's so good. What about parallel teaching? 
Yeah, so parallel teaching is when the class is divided into two groups and each teacher is instructing one of the groups. Um, The groups don't switch like station teaching. Um, So this is really used often for reviewing or discussing work. You might use it for presenting curriculum at two different levels. So in a writing lesson, perhaps you'll have the middle top students go with one teacher into one space and the middle lower group. Uh, students go with the other teacher into the other space. So you can differentiate that target or differentiate the curriculum, sorry, to target those specific needs. The children would tend to stay in those groups and you would be covering similar um, content, but at the appropriate levels. Um, It's also really good for when you're introducing a new concept or a skill um, because you can split up into those smaller um, class, you know, group sizes. And, you know, really hit point of need. You might have some students that are coming in with prior knowledge that you could you yes. could start with this group with the prior knowledge can be here, this group that don't have that prior knowledge, we can go to a one-on-one. I must yeah. say, for, from a middle and senior school um, approach, this would be quite a regularly used technique here at Holy Cross where mm-hmm. we might have at one time four uh, science classes all on at the same time, timetabled next to each other. And we might rotate around which teacher is looking at particular things and see parallel teaching going on yep. based on either entry point or based on level of, of students because we don't stream in our middle school. So we can really, I suppose, adapt to what the needs are to students. Or you could have you know, that parallel teaching be one teacher's working on the skills whilst another teacher's working on facilitating and activating students the content. Yeah, yeah. And you can actually do really fun things with this if like in something like Hass or something, a lesson that's got more of inquiry, um, I've used it before where we've had a video and we've showed the video to one group without sound. So they've only seen the pictures and then the other group have only watched the or listened to the audio. They haven't seen the pictures mm-hmm. and you complete the activity like that because they're getting that different point of view and perspective. And then in the next you know week or whatever, you can come back together and compare. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's yeah. really cool, isn't it? Um, now, look, there's three models. Okay, let's go to model number four, which is alternative teaching. What does that look like? This, so this is when one teacher is working with most of the students um, and the second teacher is instructing a small group. And that small group might be for remediation or support. It might be extra practice. Um, it could even be extension um, because that small group needs to take that on. Um, so both teachers are following similar content or skill, but the small group instructor is making those modifications to meet the needs of the students. And I would say in my class, um, so I teach year 12 ATAR, um, that would be the most used method that we would we would use. So yeah. I would often say to this, I would often withdraw the students that are going towards an A and work with them individually mm. whilst the other teacher works with the rest of the group on something yep. or vice versa, those students that are perhaps um, easy riding or struggling, withdrawing them, helping to, I suppose, capture where their challenges are and take them to the next level yeah. um, is a really effective tool that we can do at a senior school level um, where if you're not team teaching, then that creates yeah. that challenge there, doesn't yeah. it? Well, th- this could be similar. Like if you had a, an education assistant in your classroom, yeah. this is kind of the model that you'd be potentially using with them where the teacher has most people, or most students, and then that assistant has mm. that small group. Yeah, And I suppose that's a good reminder for our listeners of the, the idea of co-teaching isn't about two teachers. It's mm. that 
collective group working together. Co-teaching also includes the parents. That's it also right. includes the students teaching each other. It yep. includes our admin staff supporting them in ways that they're supporting. So it's that whole team approach to progressing kids. Yes, yep. Um, all right. And what about the model number five, teaming? Uh, this is actually my favourite one because yeah. this this comes about when you've really got that really great relationship between all the teachers in the classroom and it's when the teachers are delivering the instructions jointly together to the whole class. So they're sharing discussions, they're modelling, um, they might be, you know, we could be reading, doing our just class novel and each teacher's taking a different voice um, or one teacher is doing lots of the talking, the other teacher is doing the modelling at the same time. Um, but it's where you can really kind of bounce ideas off each other, get a little bit silly and, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and, and that relationship is really critical, isn't it, to yeah. good teaming? And, you know, sometimes let's be real here, right, because this podcast is about real pedagogy. Sometimes you might have a day or a week where you've been so busy where you haven't been able to sit down and do all of that planning that you might have been able to do before a lesson. That ability to team means that you can cover each other's gaps yes. as you're working with the students as well. Yeah, and perfect for, um, yeah, having each other's back and, you know, there, there are moments when you're standing in front of the class and you're having a brain fart moment, you know, and you can't remember <laughs> something or you've made a mistake and yeah. to be able to have that other person to support you and jump in if you need it, yeah, it's really helpful. The biggest challenge with teaming though is you don't want it to become, because there's two of you and if you're like me and addicted to the sound of your own voice, yeah. <laughs> you don't want it to become a, because there's two of us, we've now spoken at you for the last 35 minutes and we actually haven't activated any learning within you. Yes, that's true. And you do have to um, really think about the planning of it initially until you get into that groove and it does rely on a really good relationship between the two teachers. Yeah. Okay. Well, our sixth model, one teach, one assist. Yeah. So this is um, probably one that is the least effective of all the models. So we try to use this one sparingly because it's really got one teacher leading in the instruction or the lesson while the other is circulating among the students. So that person is really kind of working on finding the, helping with the classroom behaviour, for instance, um, or they're just making sure students are staying engaged, you know. Um, it means that the assisting teacher actually is taking on quite a, a passive role. Um, and the other difficulty with it is that students will tend to see the lead teacher as being the, the boss and will um, not necessarily go to the second teacher for assistance or help because they see that one teacher in charge of that learning area or that lesson. Yeah, and, and I suppose there can be a real challenge for that, that efficacy as well and mm. the importance of feeling the value. And Yeah. yeah. Yep. can be useful though if you do have a teacher that's a particular expert at something. Yes, um, yeah. And, and the other isn't as strong at that, then that could be something worth leveraging. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it's a good strategy. It's just not as good as some of the others. And so yeah. you, you wouldn't want to be seeing it every lesson in the classroom. Yeah, well, so there's six models of, of from a theoretical standpoint, what it looks like. What does team teaching or co-teaching really look like to you, Lindley? Um, okay, so this morning I was in a year five maths class. So what it looked like was um, the 60 children on the mat together. Um, we did a number talk to warm up. So uh, one of the teachers 
was um, modelling that while the other was um, asking for student feedback and, and facilitating that discussion. Yep. After that session, then we split up into um, more kind of parallel groups. So um, the majority of the students split into two groups. One went with one teacher, one group went with the other. And then within that was some differentiation as well. And I also took out a small group of students who require that bit of extra practice and support um, in the activities. And then once we have done all of our practicing and um, finished off our activities and our learning, then coming together for that reflection time at the end um, and looking at those exit tickets. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, um, at the moment, we're doing an investigation in my year 12 um, ATAR class. And as I said, there's two of us, two classes together, um, timetabled right next to each other. Um, what we're currently doing is we've given the students some agency in their investigation as to some, we've given them three choices they can choose from. Um, and what we're doing is one teacher is the expert at one topic, the other teacher is an expert at the other topic, and the third topic is their kind of big random choice one that they can do, knowing that they need to be a bit more self-directed on that topic. Yeah. So we've been able to give agency through this, but then leverage an expert teacher in each, and so we've been able to parallel a, a lot more. Yeah. Um, and so we can split the kids up. They can then learn from each other, use each other as experts and have a teacher that's devoted to their topic um, and have increased agency at year, le year uh, 12 level, um, what that looks like in the classroom. Yeah, that's great too, because that's the other thing. When you've got um, other teachers in the classroom to support you, then you, I think you've got more opportunity to build in that student voice and that student mm. agency because you've got that other support in terms of your planning and delivering an assessment. So what does it take for a teacher to execute um, co-teaching? Like what happens before a lesson? What happens during a lesson? How do we, when we're different people, perhaps we're in different classrooms, you could have a specialist coming in and you're co-teaching with them versus in that ideal setup where you're with your person all day. Mm -hmm. um, what do you need to do to execute this really well? So I think um, the in the beginning stages, you need to be really careful about communication because you are going to have to have those conversations about planning. Um, I think it's also important to define your roles. So um, you might be brainstorming ideas together, but then it's my job to go off and actually write up mm. the program, for instance, or fill fill in the um, daily work pad and those sorts of things. Or if we're talking about assessment, we've had that conversation, but then it's the other teacher's job to actually go write it up or create the rubric and bring it back, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think you also in that stage need to um, have conversations about what sort of boundaries you and your yeah. co-teacher have and um, ways, you know, if talking about if there's an error made, what's the best way to address that in the classroom? You know, are you happy for the other teacher to just jump in and point it out or do you want to wait and have that conversation mm. in private afterwards and kind of negotiating those um, things? And then you get into this part of your relationship where it's um, about the give and take and there's this increased level of trust and you start to also have that social relationship because mm. it is quite in it, I'm going to use the word intimate relationship, it's particularly in the junior school because there are two of you in that one space all the time, you know, for, and, and it's quite different to, you know, a normal, um, oh, traditional primary school, I'll say, 
or setting, a classroom setting where it's just you, you're the only adult in the room, but suddenly you've got these other adults and um, like every relationship, um, nobody's perfect and mistakes are going to be made and, Mm -hmm. you know, people's feelings will get hurt at some point. Um, People will feel left out maybe or they feel like um, they're taking on more of the load or whatever it is. And so you're having to compromise and um, that's when the communication is so important. Yeah. Because, yeah, you just have to be able to talk through some of those things and you might have different ideas on how to do something. Someone wants to do it more paper-based. Someone wants to do it more on the iPads. So how do you have that give and take yeah. where both people feel like they're giving and taking an equal kind of amount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then once you kind of get through that, you've got this open communication and you end up in the real collaboration stage where you and your co-teachers have um, that flexible equality you know, so you're not kind of keeping tabs mm-hmm. like you were before because you, you've built up that relationship and you know it's going to all work out in the end. Um, and there's that mutual respect and the, and you're able to quickly change roles in the classroom without um, without having to have big discussions about it and things. It's yeah. just a natural flow and rhythm. I love that the shift goes from me mm. to the kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? The conversations then become about student first, then what's the best thing for them rather than what am I going to do? This is my show. This That's is right. my domain. Yeah. Um, and so there's some some great, I suppose, strategies about what this looks like. So each lesson, realistically, we want probably a, po- a pre-meeting, like a, then the lesson delivery and then like a, a post-debrief. Is that what normally happens for you? Yeah, I think um, it's really important to have shared planning time in your yep. um, dot time. Um, because that's when you're having those conversations. For us at Holy Cross, um, most classrooms in the junior school have at least two um, periods of shared dot. So that's a good opportunity to sit down and say, okay, this lesson went really well. This one, not so much. Um, My group needs extra time for tomorrow to finish off or my group um, has blitzed that and we can go on and extend them now um, and to be you're, you are constantly having to have conversations and give feedback to each other and take on feedback um, to ensure that what you are delivering to the students is meeting them at their point of need. Yeah. And from a middle and senior school perspective, it's, it's a little bit different because you you might be working with six different teachers across the board. Um, so you've probably got to think about as a middle and senior school teacher, what's the best thing for my kids? Because the reality is to execute this really well across six different classes with six, six different groups of teachers might be a, um, a, a mountain too high to climb. So it's thinking about what, what are the right subjects that I need to do this in? Where's this going to be its most effective? Because that constant seeing each other, communication, talking through things, a teacher needs to find strategies about when they're going to do that. Yes. Um, you know, whether it's a, we have a weekly meeting that we catch up so that we're all on the same page or whether it's a, at morning tea, we make sure we have coffee with each other on a Monday morning so that we're, we're following up. Or perhaps it's during the lesson you have that chance to, to at the during the exit ticket, just kind of check in with each other. Right, what are we thinking for next lesson so that we can start that debrief process because it probably can't be as effective in terms of its pre, post and all of that that goes on in a junior school setting when you're with that one person the whole time, but it is overcomable. 
Yes. Yep. And I think with technology, we can mm. um, leverage that as well. You know, if you're using collaborative documents, people can be writing in their notes, yeah. even just recording a quick um, voice memo and putting it in there. And so then you, you're still getting that feedback and that conversation without physically having to be in the same place. Yeah. I love that. So I suppose lastly, Lindley, top tips for um, teachers looking at either A or in a co-teaching sort of setup or B, starting to think about this, maybe their spaces aren't designed like ours, but there's still ways around that. Um, People that are looking to delve into this idea of co-teaching, what would you say to them? I'd say get out there and do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think consider who you want to co-teach with Yep. Um, and have those conversations to ensure that you're both on the same page about what it could look like yeah. and how you might um, get there. Um, I think look at how you're going to manage things like routines and transitions because those are super important just when it's one teacher in the classroom but they can become um, possibly more important when you've got more Mm. children moving around and more teachers involved. Everyone needs to know where the equipment's kept, where it goes back, how do you hand in work, all of that sort of stuff to keep it flowing really nicely. Um, And then I think as well, being able to have those open conversations, even if it means saying to your co-teacher, look, um, I think this might be a little bit difficult to say, but you know, what do you think about this or how would you feel if we did it this way or, you know, um, and I think being prepared to receive feedback and being prepared to being in that learning zone because yeah. as, a, as a co-teacher you do have this other person right there with you in that same space that you can learn so much from and yeah. take on that opportunity. And be comfortable with failing as well because it takes yes, time, definitely. doesn't it? You know, term one, week three, you're not going to be nailing your team teaching setup at that point in time. It's going to look different by term four. Yes, exactly. And and understand that people are going to have bad days and that doesn't, because your co-teacher is having a bad day, doesn't mean it's because of you. Yeah. You know, there's, you know we know people have lots of other things going on in their lives. People have bad days at work, you know, all the time. Um but be there to support each other um, and looking out for each other because it is that relationship that you're building. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Lindley. Um, I think you've done a great job with articulating what we love here in our co-teaching model. Um, if our listeners want to connect with you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? Um, it's at Miss Waters, W-A-T-E-R-S, um, A-U-S for Australia <laughs> at the end. Yeah. That's because you're a global citizen. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do have international listeners. Um, I can see that on our data coming through. So, you know, to those people over in the USA listening. Hello. Um, yes. We feel for you still being online over there. That's right. Um, So thank you very much for your time today, Lindley. Thank you for uh, our listeners for uh, listening in. Um, We'd love to hear your stories, um, how you're going with your co-teaching, and please reach out to Lindley um, if you've got any questions as we go along. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries, a pleasure. We'll see you next time. Bye. If you know of any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. 
goodbye. God bless. And thank you for being my friends.